for some of my college buddies, more enticing than intramural sports, clubs, and especially studying, was happy hour at JM's. I went to James Madison University, so you can see where JM's got its name. It was right across Main Street from the campus, and by 4 p.m. on Friday, the bar became like a magnetic sun with rays of people walking towards it from every direction. Have a few cheap beers and leave behind the anxiety from classes and studying and maybe relationships. People would look forward to 4 o'clock on Friday every week. Happy hour. Now, they were happy about getting cheap beer, of course. But I wonder now, did happy hour really make them happier? Did it adjust their attitudes for the rest of the week? Well, welcome to Christian happy hour. Sorry you missed the drinks. We had communion last week. Our happy hour is from 10.30 to 11.30, maybe 11.31 or 2 <clears throat> on Sundays, or 11 to 12 beginning in September. It's the hour when we drop our anxieties or attempt to. We try to leave them in God's hands and not the hands of a bottle or can. It's the hour we drop or at least cover our bad attitudes. It's the hour we remember that we are not alone on the often difficult journey of life. It's the hour we offer our best to God. The prophet Isaiah begins his 66 chapter book challenging the readers to examine their worship. Now, thankfully, worship for them 3,800 years, 2,800 years ago or so was very different than it is for us. Are you as glad as I that we don't have to bring a bull to be sacrificed? Oh, good. I was thinking, you know, the elevator's probably not big enough for that anyway. Lots of challenges we would have if we attempted that, but whether we come to our style of worship out of habit or out of skepticism, out of devotion or out of curiosity, worship is intended to transform us. Worship is intended to help us to repent and to renew our faith in God and Christ Jesus. Worship is intended to help us connect our experiences here within the body of Christ, connect that with our ethical behavior the rest of the week and beyond this building. So Isaiah pushes us to think through and then beyond our worship hour to the attitudes and actions that result from this unique time together. You know, we're an organization different from any other. But here, the words of Isaiah 
from chapter 1. It is marked in your bulletin in case you want to follow along. It begins on page 630 of the Old Testament. It's chapter 1, verses 1, and then 10 through 20. The vision of Isaiah, son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. And just to remind you that Sodom and Gomorrah was the story from Genesis, the evil cities. And so now, a few hundred years later, Isaiah is calling the people of Israel by um, those despicable names. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who asked this from your hand? Trample my courts no more. Bringing offerings is futile. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath <clears throat> and calling of convocation. I cannot endure solemn assemblies with iniquity. Your new moons and your appointed festivals my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you stretch out your hands... I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Imagine a court of law. Come now, let us argue it out, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall become like wool. If you are willing... Sorry, let me reread that. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Ooh-wee. That's quite a judgment. It's as if worshipers are going through familiar motions with no sense of why or even no care about why and about what God wants with worship. God wants us to stop the charade and act, act like children of God. Make choices that seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, and plead for the widow. 
Take care of those people who have no one to care for them. I'm not talking about the welfare system, and I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about the church. I'm wondering aloud whether our worship, as good as it may be, we wouldn't be here if we didn't think it was somewhat worthwhile, does our worship lead us to transform our lives and the lives of others. Dozens of people walk through our parking lot during the week. And what do we offer them? In the formerly beautiful houses behind our church, we would find people who have formerly beautiful lives. Or downtown, the people moving in there may be wealthier moving into fancy apartments, and we might find some people among them who, like King Midas, think that wealth and possessions will satisfy their souls, which are screaming out for relationship with people and God. What might we offer them? I wish that we could be like Harry Potter and with a wave of our wand, speak the spell, reparo, And that would repair their homes or their lives or their spirits. Thomas Lineacre was a king's physician to both Henry VII and Henry VIII. He founded the Royal College of Physicians, was very well respected, friends of Erasmus and Sir Thomas More. He lived in the late 1400s and 1500s. And late in his life, after he'd been a physician for years, he decided he wanted to become a priest. And at that time, the Bible was not in the hands of people like us. We wouldn't, there wouldn't have been Bibles in the pew. So he read the Gospels for the first time. He'd heard bits and pieces, of course, for years, but after having um, lived through the darkest hours some of the darkest hours of the church. One of the popes at that time, Alexander VI, was just a bad guy, apparently. (laughs) Plumbed new depths in the annals of Christian shame, as one author put it. But when Lineacre read the Gospels, he was amazed and troubled. And he said, either these are not the Gospels, or we are not Christians. Isaiah's passage is as judgmental as Lineacre's comment. Throughout Isaiah, God threatens departure from God's people because of our unfaithfulness. But throughout all of that book, you never have a time of judgment without a corresponding word of grace and hope. Here, he says, Isaiah says, make yourselves clean. Make the necessary adjustments to prepare for the master to relate that to the gospel text. Listen to this attitude adjustment reminder from Isaiah. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land, but 
if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. Our transformation journal has been about attitudes this week. So if you are willing and obedient, you will be rewarded. If you refuse and rebel, you'll also be rewarded, but in a much less positive way, shall we say. Commentator Walter Brueggemann says, the God who is prepared to terminate a relationship offers a way back to that relationship, but it will not be easy. Clark Cuthern said he once invited a friend of his, Gavin, to help him and his pastor guide 30 lively teens through an all-night lock-in at their church. Early in the evening, they started a game of table tennis, and so everyone was really getting into the competition, going back and forth, and they were almost to the end of the game. They had three more points to go when a young girl named Tracy caught the ball and wouldn't give it back. And Clark's first response was probably as ours would be, irritation. Arr, give us that ball back so we can finish the game. And then he thought back to the scripture that they were talking about earlier that evening. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked. Clark politely asked Tracy to return the ball, and then Gavin and he both joked with her until she finally tossed it back onto the table. And they thanked her, and they finished the game. Well, hours further into the night, there was, they showed an evangelistic film and afterwards were pleasantly surprised to see Tracy walking down the aisle with six others to receive Christ as the new master of her life. And even later, they gathered for testimonies, and Tracy said, I grew up in a family where nobody goes to church. I've learned to get attention by making people mad at me. But earlier this evening, I saw something different. And the two guys who had been playing ping pong looked at each other, raised their eyebrows. She continued, when I stole the ball from those guys, they didn't get mad at me. They didn't fight back. I saw something different in those guys, and I decided right then that I wanted whatever it was that they have. Scripture was transforming even for a Christian that day. And then it was transforming to a young girl who completely turned her life around that day. That's what I would hope worship can be for us. Worship can transform us so that people see something different in us and want whatever it is that we have. And they can see something different in us because we have worshipped together during Christian happy hour. One more story. In his book called Alive, 
Rick Christian recounts a low point in Thomas Carlyle's life. Carlyle was a historian and had just spent two years writing a book on the French Revolution. He gave the manuscript to one of his good friends to read through, make suggestions on, and the unthinkable happened. One of his friend's servants used the manuscript to start a fire in the fireplace. Well, when his friend Stuart Mill reported this devastating news, Carlyle's face paled and all he could think was two years of my life wasted. And he went into a deep depression until one day he was walking along the road and saw where a stone wall was being built. And as he stood and watched, he realized that as that wall was being built, stone by stone by stone, if he took one page a day, he could rewrite the manuscript. And that's exactly what he did. Now that author, Rick Christian, observes, when faced with seemingly impossible situations, we often see the wall and not the individual bricks, but taken day by day, task by task, the load is more manageable. Christ prayed for daily bread, just as we did when we said the Lord's Prayer. Daily sustenance. He didn't worry so much about tomorrow or the next week or the next year. God's help comes brick by brick day by day. Our shepherd says to us, do not be afraid, little flock. Now it's a relief to me to know that he doesn't say, do not be afraid, little sheep. He's not talking to just one of us. He's talking to all of us. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The kingdom of God is given to us for free. It's available to us all the time. We take it whether it's a sudden change in our life, a complete turnaround, or a slow and steady change, brick by brick by brick. So the other good news is, while we do it slowly, we don't do it alone. Do not be afraid, little flock. We seek, as Calvary, to discern a unique ministry for our church, not one that can be transferred from another congregation because we are unique in our gifts and in our locale. And Jesus says to us, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is God's good pleasure to give you, to give us the kingdom. May our worship then open our collective eyes to God's vision for us. Let's pray together. We thank you for sight, 
Lord God, and pray that our vision would step by step align itself with yours. Thank you for this body of Christ, for their faithfulness, for their endurance, for their patience and their hope. We pray that we would be willing and obedient servants and that we would reap the rewards of your good kingdom. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.